TSR Podcast with Jacob and Bo. We've got more rankings for the 2021 draft class. Last week, we had our top five quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. This time, we're going to be breaking down our top five tight ends, top five offensive tackles, and top five interior offensive linemen. Um, Bo, I know you're hyped for this because you're a big-time offensive line guy. Uh, I also think, guys, that Bo is the best at scouting the big uglies. So I'm I'm super because I'm big and ugly. Oh, come on, man. Come on. I'm not trying to say that. But I am going to absolutely let you eat on this episode, Bo. Uh, You had me super hyped up. You had me hyped up, man. You had me super hyped up when we were sitting around talking before we started recording. So I am hyped to hear what you have to say. Uh, First up, we're going to jump into this tight end class. Bo, you texted me the other day and said you were surprised at how thin this tight end class was, which I do agree with you, man. It's it's top heavy, super top heavy, especially because of one name. We'll get into that in a minute. There are some guys in there, though, that I think can be some difference makers. So we'll talk about them a little bit. Um, So I guess I'll get started, Bo. I'll go ahead with my rankings. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised who I have first at tight end. We're going to go one to five again, right? Yeah, we'll see one one to five, man. We'll we'll keep it the same way we did last time on last week's show. Okay. Um, All right, so guys, number one is Kyle Pitts who is the crown jewel of this tight end class. It's kind of like this guy and then everyone else at this point, and for good reason. I mean, Pitts really is an extremely talented prospect at tight end. Uh, He's special, though. I don't think anyone can deny that. Um, The first thing you notice with this guy is his size. He's 6'6", 240 pounds, um, has an awesome frame, but the guy also ran a 4'4'4'40", and he has the longest wingspan of any wide receiver slash tight end in the last 20 years. Okay, so we're working with some freakish traits here. Unbelievable frame and and God-given abilities. Oh, it's unbelievable, man. Um, I love watching Pitts because he's obviously able to high point the football extremely well due to that wingspan, but he also has a fantastic body control when he's contorting his body to make a catch. It's awesome to watch, and he made a lot of really difficult catches. Um, You saw him on film all over the place. he does a great job in contested catch situations, has very natural hands as a receiver. Uh, he's got an awesome uh, awareness on the field. Good route runner. Doesn't mind getting dirty in the, in the blocking game either. Again, Bo, we touched on it earlier. I don't think he's as good of a blocker as a guy like Freemurth, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. But he, it's not a liability. He can go out there and block for you. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. something coaches can be like, okay, this guy has no ability to block, and we're not going to use him that way. But like I said, he's going to be a massive problem as a matchup at the next level, though, you know, he's too big and strong for cornerbacks and safeties to handle. And then he's too fast and agile for linebackers to handle. Yep. Um, so, you know, your modern day tight end is beginning to look a lot like Kyle Pitts. That's what the league is moving toward. And, you know, they're just easier to use, man. The game's more pass happy. So you want a guy like Kyle Pitts. You don't want as much of a blocking tight end anymore. Um, and Kyle Pitts just easily fits that mold. Um, I just think, you know, you're going to get everything you probably want in a tight end if you're a GM in Kyle Pitts. Um, now, I got a question for you, Bo. I put so, down in my notes. I was watching it, and I was like, you know what? I want to ask Bo this on the on the episode when we do it. The biggest question has been, should a tight end be taken in the top five or the top ten? And is that an important enough position to be taken that high? So I want to know your thoughts on that, Bo. Uh, I think that's. Or- I think the question is organizationally based. Uh, I think for teams like... Um, teams like Tennessee that need to run the ball, teams like 
um, the Chiefs who rely on a on a on a freak up the seam, you know, that keeps your that keeps the chains moving. Or if you're New England, where like they just spent so much money on two tight ends, and I bet and you could almost see them drafting one right behind them. Yeah, you know, it just depends how you use your guys. Um, if you're a team that just like that likes to spread the field with speed constantly. You know, even the Chiefs love to do that, and they still fit, make use for a tight end. Um, but it, it for me, it's all about the organization. It depends who you are. I think for the vast majority of the NFL, if I had to speak on a general basis, no, I would look. I would outside once you break number ten, I can totally make a case for any of them at that point. Um, I thought Hawkinson was a fine pick at what was it eleven. And or, it was eighth overall. That's why I'm oh, asking. Oh, wow. The Detroit took yeah. Hawkinson eighth overall, and Pitts is far and away a better tight end prospect. Think, than I don't think Detroit expected Hawkinson to become Dropinson, <laughs> you know, from yeah. time to time. So that was something you couldn't predict. I mean, that that tape coming out of Iowa was near, was near perfect. Um, if, if 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 Hawkinson had added a four 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 forty times oh, to that man. speed, I mean, uh, to that tape uh, with his tape, I mean, that's the best tight end prospect I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, Hawkinson that's... has struggled with drops, but it's not like he's played that bad. But still, looking back at it, I'm like, you know, I, at eighth overall, he hasn't done what I what the Lions probably wanted him to have done for them. You to definitely can't go. You definitely can't go top five with a tight end, and I mean. I'd say from pick nine or 10 back, you can justify it. And especially if you're like, if you're a team that, you know, had a, that had a quarterback injury and you are bouncing back and you just want more weapons for your guy. And you know that this dude is sitting there and he's the best available. I mean, anywhere from 10 to 15, I could mean, I could, you could justify that pick. I mean, you're not, you're getting a guy who can outrun a, a lot of the receivers in the NFL and, and honestly, I think he's a little bit – he's a more willing blocker than people give him credit for. Um, and I'll get into that when it's my turn to talk, though. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get yeah. to that, man. I don't want to cut you. Like I said, I don't, I don't think he's a liability. Um, no. It's more it's, – it's not what I – I'm not saying he doesn't want to block. I'm just going more off skill of blocking. He's just not a guy like freedom to me. Like, I I'm going to jump into it in just a minute. But um, I just think – I mean – he can get thrown a little around a little bit. He's lankier, right? Mm-hmm. He he he's not um his frame isn't really that thick. He's more of a lanky guy, so so bigger defenders can kind of get their hands on him and throw him around a little bit, um, which isn't bad, you know. It's fine. He, like I said, he's not a liability, and I do want to hear what you had to say about it when uh when you talk about Pitts. Um, number two for me, guys, is Pat Freermuth. Um, so this guy, how do I want to put this? Up until Kyle Pitts pretty much put the world in an absolute state of shock with his incredible season. Um, Freermuth was probably most people's number one tight end on the board heading into last year. And again, for good reason, he's another awesome prospect. Uh, he just lacks. Freermuth. Okay. I'm probably saying it wrong. I don't do great. <laughs> do the guy, names. do the guy right now. Come on. I, I don't, I don't, I'm going to say it the best that I can. Um, okay. On the off chance he's listening to this. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, so, you know, He's he's an awesome prospect. Uh, he lacks the unbelievable athletic traits that we see in Pitts, which most guys do. Okay, he's not alone. Um, so I yeah. do have him here at two. Fryermuth, uh, Bo, I guess is how you want me to say it, is an excellent blocker. Uh, it's one of the first things I noticed about him. 
this guy also takes some huge hits. His quarterback put him in some absolute hospital pass situations, and he still <laughs> hung on to the football, which I absolutely love. Coaches are going to love a guy that they know can hold on to the football. Um, he's a solid route runner. Wasn't asked to run a lot of routes at Penn State. Much more of an inline guy that will work the seam a little bit and you know hit, hit you on some horizontal looks. Not a huge yak guy either. Something else I, I, I saw. Not going to shake defenders and pick up big chunk yardage often. My main concern with him, and I hate to be saying a main concern seeing as he's my number two guy, but his top end like his said, top end speed. Too. Yeah, yeah. His top end speed caused, I guess you could say, playmaking issues in yeah. college. Um, a couple of plays where I think most of the guys on this list are gonna be scoring, he got ran down from behind. And he's that's build up kind of, speed, you know. He has yeah, he, he does. It's much more build up speed. The acceleration is not, you know, elite by any means. Yeah. Um, I know it seems like I've, you know, I've kind of only said a lot of negatives about this guy, but he, he is my number two. He's a really good prospect overall. Uh he's you know, he's got solid size, strength, length, has a high football IQ, shows awesome awareness mm-hmm. on the field. Um, as I already said, his blocking is a major strength to his game that I believe NFL coaches are absolutely gonna love. Um so Fryermuth is at two for me. Uh, number three for me, Bo, is Brevin Jordan. This guy was so much fun for me to watch. Awesome build, a little shorter than most of your NFL tight ends, though. He's 6'3", 240. Um, that's not going to be an issue, though. And, Bo, actually thinking about it, he's about the exact same size as John U. Smith, who, Bo, you know, just got a big-time yeah. paycheck from yeah. one of the best coaches ever, Bill Belichick. So clearly the size isn't an issue. Um, he also plays a lot like John U. Uh, very similar game. He's got a super stout, thick frame. He's more agile than he looks. I mean, the dude can – He's he's got some moves to him, man. Uh, more advanced route runner than Fryermuth. I did take that away. Um, I do think route running is a strength in Jordan's game. You could see Miami split him out wide a lot. They definitely didn't use him as just an inline guy. So they knew the talent that they, they were working with, with him. Uh, good blocker due to powerful lower body. Leg drive almost never stops. Big natural hands. And he also has an awesome ability to pick up yak. Um, tough guy to bring down once he gets that brick house of a body moving. I mean, he, he's he's a big dude, man. I mean, he's he's thick. So so that's a lot of things I love about Jordan. Um, it was it was it kind of got kind of close. I thought about maybe Jordan moving into my number two spot. I just couldn't. There wasn't enough for me to put him over Pat Fryermuth. Number four, Bo, a guy that you love a whole lot, Tommy Trimble out of Notre Dame. Um, he is the best blocker out of all the tight ends I watched, of and I watched a lot of tight ends. And he is easily, no question, the best blocker. What makes you th- what what part of his blocking game makes you think? Because I want to see how that compares to mine. Uh, okay. Makes you what separates him from being the best blocker? Is it one right. thing? Is it multiple things? I will say, Fryermuth is a great blocker. Okay. Yeah. Trimble, I don't think Trimble he's just looks like team. Trimble looks like he enjoys it more than anyone else, and just absolutely wants to put dudes in the ground. Yeah. Like, it looks like when he goes out there and he gets his hand on, he's like, oh, yeah, like, it's showtime. Like, I'm about to just absolutely drive this guy through the dirt. Um, I think his blocking angles are really good, too. It's it's just like he's really, um, really good. I'm trying to figure out the way to say it. He's very skilled at it. It's mm-hmm. like he takes a lot of time in to figure out the correct technique, blocking technique, what angles to take. I don't know. He's just very renowned in it. I mean, it, it just it just showed. I mean, you got guys that can block, and you've got guys like Trimble. They're like, wow, like this guy. I mean, this guy's almost just a weapon just of how well he can block. I mean, it, it's it was awesome. I, I loved watching him, man. Um, there's levels to it for sure, Bo. Um, I, I think this guy would just absolutely light someone up. There were plays, man, where there wasn't even a guy – 
even around the ball, and you just see Trimble, I mean, just absolutely lighting him up. Like, like just, I mean, taking the guy to the ground. I mean, I just love the intensity, man. That's one of my favorite things to watch. Um, you get 100% from him every play. I was shocked to see how little he was used as a pass catcher in college. Um, Trimble only had 35 career receptions in their game. But if you watch his film, you can see he's a threat with the ball in his hands. Like, I'm literally right here in my notes, Bo, I have, I literally have, I don't know why they didn't use him. I mean, you could tell he's not a polished route runner, but why didn't they get this guy involved? I mean, he, he's got some speed to him, too. I, I mean, he's say, got some wiggle. I would say Notre Dame has weapons. That would be my biggest. How my many biggest, weapons? How, how many big-time wide receivers do we have playing at I Notre mean, Dame? In my opinion, I looked at it as Brian Kelly sees what he has in this guy and is crazy for not using him as that that mean streak player to push people off the ball, create holes downfield. You know what I mean? Just be the guy who gets your running back to the end zone versus stop. You know, getting chased down at the twenty. You know, I mean, he's the best. He's the best blocker at the line of scrimmage and downfield in this draft for yeah, anyone definitely. other than alignment. I mean, that's just, it's just what it is. I mean, and if, if I was an NFL team, I, I'd be using him in a very similar way. I don't think he'd be a regular pass catcher for me, but you, there, there's, there is space for that in the NFL. That is, that is a necessity that people don't realize that's not dying off. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Tight ends man. are still, how do you think they deal with Chase Young on the edge? You know, the, in these wide, like nine technique, you know, that these guys run four, three defenses, they're chipping them with good tight ends that can block. And yeah. and let me tell you right now, Tommy Trimble is going to chip some people. <laughs> he is, man. He is. Number five for me, bro. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just trying to get to your list so we have enough time. Uh, number five for me is Hunter Long from Boston College. Um, another guy with a game similar to Friermuth. Good blocker. More of an inline game style. Uh, works in the seam a lot. Um, yeah. I will say out of everyone I watched, this guy had to be dealing with the worst quarterback issues Easily. Whatever Long did do on film, he pretty much had to do himself. Like, there were times, Bo, the quarterback literally would look him off just because he, the quarterback, wasn't confident he could make the throw. Which some would say is smart, right? But I chalk up as just not having the confidence and actually not having the, the complete talent. I mean, Boston College's quarterback issues were unbelievable this year. Now, that isn't, you know, all that isn't his fault, but he really needs to work on keeping possession of the ball through contact. Um, that was a huge problem for him. A lot of times he makes the catch, and right at the last minute, the defender would knock it loose for an incompletion. Well, I um, think he got put in that same position that you said Fryermuth got put in, though. I mean, did, if, you, I mean if you look at his numbers pre-Jur Vichitz, or however you pronounce his name, joining them, I mean, his numbers increased because he found a guy that would – That's that was the quarterback safety net pretty much. Anytime he was. he was unsure, wanted to try and get one in there for completion, I mean, he found that guy, and it got him laid out a lot. But I'm going to argue – I'm going to argue that Fryermuth, like I, like when I was talking about him, a lot of times he took those hits and he held onto the ball. Hunter Long wasn't, and yeah. that was something that was troublesome to me. You know, I think – it just happened a lot more often than I would have liked for it to. And I think if he can clean that up, that'll be a huge plus. He'll be fine. But you, you've got to work on the drops because drops, I mean, we just touched on on Hawkinson, man. You just gave TJ Hawkinson a nickname because he dropped it so much. You know, we don't want that in the NFL. <laughs> it we just want happens to, to rhyme. Yeah, yeah. You, we've got to see, you know, you got to hang on to the football, man. I don't think that's something hard for him to clean up or anything like that. But that's just something I took away from his film. My honorable mention, guys, I love this guy so much. Um, and I've already told some people about him. Kenny Yaboa 
from Ole Miss. Six foot four, 240 pounds. It's a lengthy guy. I think he definitely has a frame, though, that can still add muscle. I mean, he's just he's, he's lanky. He's kind of lanky. Um, he's an athletic freak, very raw. He's probably the rawest guy I watched. But his athletic abilities are unmistakable. I mean, just fast. You know, he's got the strength, the length, the just overall athleticism. It's kind of like you get kind of like DK Metcalf vibes. And I'm not saying DK Metcalf. I, Metcalf is an absolute freak. But this guy is like the DK Metcalf of this class. Like he's just he's just built like a freak, can do freakish things. And I think if you can get him on a team that knows how to use him and can polish him up a little bit, this dude could absolutely be a huge weapon. Um, yeah. I liked what I saw from him. I think, you know, like I said, in the right environment, man, he could become something special and uh, something that would be uh, a steal later on in this draft class. But let me hear your tight ends, man. Well, first off, I liked your list, and I, and I like your honorable mention there. I didn't know much about that guy. So you always bring a cool honorable mention. Uh, you're Appreciate always good you, with that. You, I think it, you like you told me, I can't remember when it was, a week or two ago, you were like, I'm a crack addict with this scouting right now. So I, I know you're <laughs> yeah, always digging I, up the good I have stuff. Been, I have been on it recently. <laughs> yeah, I know you're digging out the good stuff. But uh, we spent a lot of time on the tight end, so I'll try and make mine brief. And you said a lot of really good things. Number one, Kyle Pitts, for all the reasons you said. I mean, great speed and size. He's going to be a mismatch machine. Um, probably the 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 best I'm the best tight end prospect I've seen just walk come out in the draft in my lifetime. Just pure draft grading and all the things you want. Not to mention he's coming into the game at the perfect time with how rough receiving rules are and how hard he's going to be able to you know be to handle. I mean he's a he's a pi flag waiting to happen every play. <laughs> yes. uh, I, I mean his hands are great. Catches out in front of him right on the chin. Um, he's good in 50-50 situations. I mean, he's going to be a fader out machine. Uh, people really went into his in on his blocking a little bit too much on on social media and things. And you know, and the more you watch and the more you digest about him, I think my favorite thing I found out about him was that he came up in a wing T offense in high school. And if the our any of our listeners aren't aware of what wing T is, it's what my high school ran. Uh, as an offense and it is no shotgun it is all under center power formation with a tight end and a z back and a fullback normally running hard downhill all game i mean he probably saw 10 to 20 passes a game at the most coming away from his quarterback and he still made an impact and ended up in at florida um i mean he when he was learning the game of football he had to learn a system that if you didn't learn to block effectively it was never going to go anywhere it's solely based on overpowering teams up front so i wouldn't say that like he's just been catching the ball his whole life and that that's all he's good for because he had to, he was forced to spend four years of his football career playing a downhill running system with very, very limited receiving chances. Uh, that's just what the wing T is. And trust me, I went to our high school was extremely athletic and we still ran that offense. So he's gonna be better than people think. Number two, Pat Firebeef. I think there's really no other way you can go about it outside of uh, Kyle Pitts. He's the most gifted tight end uh, athletic ability for more basketball player. He's got a great frame. I think my favorite thing about his blocking is that he he does keep his feet moving, but he's got a great base for blocking. You don't see his feet get tangled up out from under him. Uh, you don't see him get put on his butt. You will 
see him get blown up at the point of contact from time to time by a big guy with a running start, but he doesn't end up on his behind. And and nowadays, if you can catch passes and you can keep your footing, keep all ten cleats in the ground, uh, that that's a big deal to me. It's a big deal to NFL teams. You know, the worst thing you can have is guys in the backfield. I wouldn't say that his blocking was elite, though. Like we were saying, he is no Tommy Trimble. Tommy Trimble is an elite blocker, um, but elite he, he 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 could yeah he can get the job done. Um, you get him with a good coach, good uh, a good uh, you say individual um, you know position assistant. I'm sorry, I'm like losing my train of thought. <laughs> if he gets a good you know position coach in the NFL, he can even get even better at blocking. Uh, he's going to be a good end zone threat. He's six foot five. About 245 pounds. He's a big guy. I think there's some teams that the, the Patriots eat, ate up a few teams' tight ends. I think that he can end up on the Titans and, and probably make an early impact or a team like the Raiders or something uh, getting behind because I don't think Foster Moreau is really going anywhere for them. Get behind Darren Waller, be a good you know hybrid blocking, receiving tight end. Um, and then uh, Brevin Jordan's number three. I think there's really only one way he could go with that. He's too fast. He's too good of a receiver and creating problems for linebackers, uh, you know, in college. He's he's doing that already. I think that he's going to come in the league and someone's going to use him to create mismatches all over the field. Um, he, he is going to be – I can just see him now playing against my favorite team, and we always have linebackers covering – fast players somehow and him just blowing by our linebackers. I mean, he just, he has that breakaway speed at tight end and he's got great contact balance too. Once he gets moving, he's, he's hard to bring down. Um, yeah. I would say his blocking is probably his weakest. It's not consistent. Um, he's got, he's got the explosiveness and the body frame. I mean, he, he's a, he's a heavy cat and he's not super tall. So, I mean, it's not like he can't learn to get his hips down and drive people. I think that he just knows his money is going to be made with his feet and his hands down the line. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, blocking is kind of like college. Half the battle is showing up and wanting to do it. Yeah. It you know, is. You it can't. Like- well, you, you made a really good point, man, that, um, you know, he, he it's not like he doesn't have the skill or the frame to block. Right? No, it's there. It's definitely there. Six, he, he's just it, it's either you can block. It's either he's dealing with some technical issues or it's also the the will to do it. You know what it's I mean? Both. I'm not saying the guy I'm not saying the guy doesn't put in the effort that let's not get that rumor going. But I'm saying that, you know, you've got to be a willing blocker. What, what did you say? I think it was lat on the last episode, but you said, you know, there's differences between a guy that blocks and a guy who's a willing blocker. You know, yeah. it's a difference. You can see it on film. That's super easy to tell the difference. Um, so I would say he, he, I would say he blocks. He's not a willing blocker. And I also want to ask you this, but um, let's see a couple draft classes ago. And it reminds me, not a whole lot of them, but Miami loves these type of tight ends. You can tell it's the way they recruit um, David and Joku, man. You yeah. know, obviously, obviously went to Miami and in, in Joku's dra- uh, draft class, I had him over OJ Howard and Joku was my number one tight end in that class. Now it hasn't yeah. panned out in the NFL like that. He hasn't been bad, but he also hasn't been unbelievably great. injuries and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he has. But in with that problem. You can see Miami loves the guys that they can split out wide and use their feet and their hands. You know what I mean? Like, they, like that's just love- the type of guys they recruit. Uh, yeah, that's they just love good athletes at, at tight end. I mean, there. When I first, I think one of my my last thing I wrote about him is that when you when you look at him, even though he plays at about two fifty, when you look at him and he's wearing that single digit number for Miami, you're like, you have to double take. Is that a receiver? Like, yeah, it's, it's just odd. <laughs> yeah, you have to actually watch the dude start moving. The only way I was able to tell, dude, is because of how thick his legs are, like his yeah, thighs. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right, that's not a receiver. He's like, rocked up. That's Brevin Jordan. Yeah. 
Um, and so, and well, my number four, Hunter Long, um, I have him above Tommy Trimble, and I think it's just because he is a better receiver. He's your more all around type guy. I think he, I think he can come in and he won't be a superstar stud tight end out of the gate, but I think he's coachable. I think he's got the frame. I think he's a willing blocker. Um, I mean, he's about six foot six. He plays above 240. Um, and, and honestly, he had all that frame and those intangibles pre uh, the Juravicic kid coming in to, to play quarterback at Boston College. And then he at least had a guy that wasn't amazing yet. They put him in some bad situations. But he still thought of him as his old faithful. Like, this is the guy when I'm in trouble that I'm looking for. Uh, Hunter Long sits down in space really well. He's never going to be a speed ma- uh, a speed mismatch for anyone, but he's got the frame. He goes up and catches it uh, over top of defenders all the time. He's still going to be tough for corners and safeties to pick up in the red zone, uh, which is, in my opinion, the the time that tight ends need to shine, which is in the red zone when when the when the field is shortened. And I think you can and there and. and there's some his especially his cerebral way of reading the field and playing he said up the seam finding space in zone coverage i think that you know he's really good at that i think he is going to contribute at the next level and i believe that the way his game is and what i read about him coming from boston college is that he's in, he's improving every year he came from like a nowhere school and so you know in the middle of nowhere in like new hampshire so i imagine he's a good kid with a you know down in a in a way of saying down home you know upbringing in a small area and i think that he could blossom into something better he's definitely got the intangibles to be better um, and then Tommy Trimble's my number five. Uh, the And I, I won't say that you, you were pretty high on him. You think he's got the ability to be a better receiver, but we haven't seen it because the opportunity hasn't been there. Okay, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying the, uh, the, the intangibles aren't there, but it's kind of like, you know, the proof's in the pudding and there's no pudding yet. You know what I mean? I haven't, <laughs> yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen the pudding, you know? I don't know if it's good or not yet. You know, it's just... It, we won't know until the next level, but I think that this dude needs to go, needs to end up in a place like San Francisco or needs up in a place like Tennessee or somehow, even though they're, they're loaded with tight ends, he would have been a good fit in new England, a team that likes to run the ball, a team that likes to get down and dirty. I think you can line him up at fullback. I think you can line him up at, at shoot. You can give him a freaking carry at the goal line. If you want you know what I mean? You oh, can yeah, bring you him could, for sure. Bring him in on sweeps in the red zone. I think he's an extremely versatile player for the right, for the right guy. You know, they say any tool is useful in the hands of the right carpenter. You know what I mean? If you That's a great way to put that, man. That's a great way to put that. That is exactly the type of player he is. Yes, yes. If if there it, it's like, you know, they they say it's not the gun, it's the guy shooting it. It's the same thing. Like there's nothing wrong with this guy. I don't think that he was used for everything he could do at Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is a top five recruiting class every year, pretty much. You know, they they have athletes coming in left and right, and it just so happens that this dude's probably a, a better pound for pound blocker than anyone on Notre Dame's team. He, he's a he's he's got a mean streak. He's nasty, and he is damn fun to watch. And I'm excited to see how he's used at the next level. And I don't expect it. To be, I think he's more of like a Kyle Juszczyk than he is a Darren Waller or a Gronk. You know what I mean? Like he, He's going to be used somehow, and it's going to be really fun to watch. So that's my tight end list. And I don't I have – I don't, 
I, I don't have a uh, an honorable mention. I forgot to do one for the tight ends. I don't. Have it down, <laughs> all so. good, man. All good. If, you, if did, that... you did a good one, so I'm, that's fine. We don't need to go right. for it. Uh, but it's time to talk about the offensive tackles, man. These 2021 offensive tackles. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to start in real quick. Um, number one for me, guys, is Rashawn Slater. Now, hold up now. Hear me out. Most of you have probably already turned off We've the all, episode. All right. Half the listeners have cut us off. They've already cut off the damn episode, man. But for, for those of you that haven't, I'm going to explain my reasoning here. Um, I love Sewell as a prospect, but I think everything you get with Sewell, you get with Slater, except with Slater, you get more agility and more explosiveness. That's the best way I can put it. Everyone knows explosiveness is important for an offensive lineman. Um, so let's look at some numbers. Now, numbers aren't everything, but they are something, Bo. Okay? That's one of my favorite sayings about numbers. They're not everything, but they are something. Sewell, Bo, I'm, we're going to compare their pro day numbers. All right, Sewell ran a 5.09.40. Okay? Rashawn Slater ran a 4.88. In the bench press, Sewell put up 30. In the bench press, Slater put up 33. In the three cone, Sewell ran a 7.80. In the three cone, Slater ran a 7.48. And in the vertical jump, Sewell had a 28 inch and Slater had a 33 inch. I don't even know why you read that one. Well, that shows explosiveness, man. If you're, I mean, you're a guy that, get, if you're a guy that heavy and you get up in there like that, that shows some power coming out of those legs, man. I mean, that's a lot of the way that um, GMs and scouts like to read explosiveness is through the vertical jump and big offensive linemen. Um, now, Slater was also shown to have bigger hands, Bo, and both players had the same issue with the, in quotes, shorter-than-wanted arm length, right? They both have the same arm length coming in around 33 inches. Um I think if you compare the guys side by side from a physical standpoint, now now Sewell is bigger. Sewell is a is a is bigger player, but you know, from a athletic standpoint, Slater beats him. From you know, from that he has bigger hands. He's got the same what arm problem if you want to make that out. So you know, it sounds like Sewell's edging him out there. And you know, I'm not making this decision off of numbers. Let me get that straight right now. I'm making this decision off of film. But Bo, the numbers are just backing me up, baby. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Slater and Sewell are super similar. Um, I think you just get more explosiveness with Slater. I've already said it. Slater is a mauler, Bo. I know you saw the same thing on film. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about him. Um, he's super strong at the point of attack. Absolutely explodes off the line into his man. He's quick-footed, has no issues changing direction, does an excellent job of mirroring his man and anchors down extremely well. Um, it's really tough for defenders to knock this guy off his base once he gets set. I mean, dude, those legs, I mean, just absolutely just dig into the ground. Um, and you, you just see a guy that is much more agile than you would expect someone his size to be. You know, I, I'm super high on this guy, bro. I mean, call me out if you want to, man. But Slater is my number one moving forward. There's and nothing there's, there, to call out. There, there, I don't there's, think. Nothing, there's nothing that's going to change my mind. I mean, Slater at this point is my number one. And, and that's with me saying I'd be fine with a team taking Sewell top five. I, I already know Sewell is going to go above Slater. Okay, I'll, I'll get into that now, guys. Penny Sewell is my number two offensive tackle. Um, you know, let's get it straight. This guy is an unreal prospect himself and has all-world potential. I think the main reason I would possibly consider taking Sewell is probably due to age, or consider taking him over Slater is due to age. Sewell's still going to be 20 when he steps in the league. Right now, Rashawn Slater's 22, right? So you know you have so much untapped potential with Sewell. That's huge, yeah. and for him already bow i've already told you for him to be as good as he is right now at 20 like that that doesn't even make sense it makes absolutely mm. no sense 
but you know, it, it's still not enough for me to rank him over Slater in my eyes. Slater to me is just a bit better right now, but both guys obviously should be immediate starters at the next level, right when they get into the league. Now, Sewell has been crowned the best offensive lineman in this class uh, pretty much since last summer. And again, for good reason, the guys are all around just an awesome prospect. He's six foot five, 331 pounds. Um, you've already heard the numbers I just listed, which were good numbers. He, he has everything you want to see from a guy that you're going to take in the top 10. Let's put it that way. There, there's not many weaknesses. I mean, to, to nitpick it, you'd have to nitpick at this point. Wouldn't you agree, Bo, to, to really, if you're going to sit here and say, oh, Sewell, you know, has trouble with this or something like that. I mean, you're kind of nitpicking. I mean, this guy is all, almost a can't-miss prospect at, at this point. I think yeah. Sewell is just, I mean, is excellent at almost everything that you, you want a guy in the top 10 to be excellent at. He's on film, be a Cincinnati Bengals, so you should be. Hey, hey man, well, we'll see, man. We'll see. I mean, let, let's. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do. I mean, it could it could go like I think three different ways at this point. But um, hey, if we get Sue well, man, I'm happy with it. You know, Joe Burrow's got some pr- protection for at least the next decade. Some great protection, by the way. Um, on film, Bo, you see what makes. Sue an awesome prospect. He's super smooth game style, has no issues dealing with power or speed rushers, um, has a has a super wide base, strong lower half um, that helps deal with the power players, has the kick step and slide ability to deal with speed guys, shows awesome ability to mirror, um, which is huge in the NFL. And if you're already good at that, it helps to translate uh, your translation to the NFL a little bit easier. His awareness is great. Looks super, super comfortable moving in space. Um, as a run blocker, shows awesome ability to distinguish what his assignments are. Uh, clearly is a very high IQ player. Uh, once he gets his hands on you, man, he makes it really hard for defenders to disengage from him. But I think Sewell, even being as good as he is, will have a hard time living up to what people have already said about him, man. People are saying this guy, Bo, is like the, one of the best prospects or maybe the best prospect at tackle to come out in a decade. I don't even have him number one in this class, which is close. I'm not I'm not saying it's nowhere near close that he could be the number one in this class. But I, I just think people are, you know, I mean, I'm not putting this guy over Tyrone Smith or Ronnie Stanley or Jack Conklin yet. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't see that yet. And mm-hmm. I think people cr- saying that about him just puts a ton of pressure on this guy that you have no idea whether he'll live up to. Right. You know, Sewell is a can't miss prospect that will immediately come in, make a difference on his team's offensive line. I mean, his floor right off the jump is already high enough to be a successful starter in the NFL. And his ceiling has multiple all pro bids. Right. Mm-hmm. But let's stop saying he's the best guy to come out in a decade. His film is damn good. I'm not going to disagree, but I- I'm a huge fan. I'm, it's not that I'm not a fan, but I, let's just pipe it down just a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm not, dude. I might have liked Ronnie Stanley coming out more than I like him. I don't know. Looks like there's some been some good dudes out there. Oh, there's some good. That's what I'm saying, man. That's why I brought his name. I mean, Ronnie Stanley was a really good prospect, man. I mean, a really good prospect. Um, number three, guys, is Christian Darisaw out of Virginia Tech. Uh, Darisaw is just a good watch. I mean, you can't put it any better than that. His film is really good. Super hard to knock this guy off his base, get him off balance. Anchors down extremely well. Displays awesome footwork. Um, elite pass blocker that uses angles really well. Um, he, his, he's more he's a better pass blocker than he is run blocker. But that's not saying much because he's just so good at pass blocking. You know, he can be any amount of good at run blocking. He still won't be as good as, as he is at pass blocking. I mean, but I've already <laughs> told you, his pass blocking is awesome, man. Um, and yeah. you have your own things to say about him. Uh, his hand usage is awesome. Um, it seems a lot like – now tell me if you see the same thing, but it seems a lot like that – He likes to let the defender come to him. He likes to counter what the defender throws at him instead of him attacking his guy. Which is extremely hard. 
It is. It's really hard. It shows how talented he is. I don't know if you got that same vibe, but I definitely picked up on that. Another thing I did notice about him that isn't a positive, though, is that he does have a tendency to lunge at at the defender. And, you know, a lot of lunging isn't something you want to see from an offensive lineman because when you lunge, you're obviously you're giving up power and you're giving up your base. When you lunge, you're off balance um, and you're more susceptible to being beaten. So he needs to clean that up just a little bit. But overall, Darisaw is just an awesome prospect. And, you know, a lot of people have Darisaw going in the top 20 of the draft this year, and, and it's understandable. Um, he's an immediate impact guy at the next level for it's sure. A passing league, and it he is, doesn't man. allow sacks, and he's a great pass setter. That's right. Uh, number four for me, guys, is Tevin Jenkins. Um, dude is an absolute badass. I mean, six foot six, three hundred twenty-five mm-hmm. pounds. Um, but I think this guy put more people on the ground than any of the linemen I watched. Like this dude put people on the ground, just moves them. He gets his hands on you. You're going. You don't know where you're going, but it's wherever he wants you to go. That, that's pretty mm-hmm. much the vibe I got from him. Just an overwhelming force. Have you ever um, Have you ever seen like an up close picture of him okay, inside stop. a space mask? Okay, stop, stop. I looked this. Okay, he doesn't look like this killer on the field. He looks Isn't like a it? super nice guy to me. He looks like, and then you turn on the film and you're like, damn, this guy, this guy that I'm looking at. I right think now? he's, I think he's intimidating. Personally, I, I've like he's he's tatted up. He's he's he is a brick wall of a man. He's huge. Like I'll, I'll get to him in a little bit though. Keep it. <laughs> I love your take on this guy, man. Um, I, I do think there's a possibility that Tevin Jenkins kicks to inside at guard or mm-hmm. to guard at the next level. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's going to stay at tackle, and I think he should stay at tackle. I think he's going to be successful at tackle at the next level. Um, and number five for me, guys, is Samuel Cosme. I loved him coming out of Texas. I uh, love the way this guy moves overall. Movement when run blocking is off, awesome. His lateral movement is good. Um, knows how to keep his base. Awareness again is awesome. And I, I'm sorry, guys, if it sounds like I'm being kind of repetitive, but you know, awareness mm-hmm. and movement and things like that, it's kind of what you look for in an offensive lineman or especially. They don't have to run back. a route tree. You're exactly, pass exactly. Blocking so, or you're run blocking. So you're kind you know? of going off the same thing uh constantly. He knows his assignments, but he's very technically sound, great footwork, uh, fantastic hand fighting ability, and has one of the best punches in the class, I think. Um, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. And, and I think it was really hard to choose between him and my honorable mention for who's going to make the top five. I did give the edge to Cosme. Uh, my honorable mention is Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Uh, the guys in Notre Dame pro- product, they know how to coach at Notre Dame. They, they just do. They know how to put out offensive linemen. Um, so I'm always high on a guy coming from Notre Dame. He shows off awesome awareness again, good hands, uh, great movement. Lateral movement is really good. And uh, his hand fighting is awesome, man. And, you know, his, his head's on a swivel. He always knows where his quarterback's at. And uh, I really appreciate seeing that in an offensive tackle. So that's my uh, that's my top five from offensive tackles, man. Let me hear yours. Love it, man. Love it. Um, so mine's a little different from yours. I did go with the Penne Sewell as the number one. Um, and we, we've discussed this a little bit, but I believe that he, right now he has to be your number one based on ceiling. And a lot of that is what seems like you deem as inflation of his worth and what he could turn into. But I mean, there is no denying that he has the best God given frame and intangibles to become the best player in this draft or the best tackle taken in this decade. You know, I mean, it's six, six, three thirty, and the way he moves and the explosiveness he plays with and the pad level he plays with is extremely impressive. I don't, I think it's a, it's a lot to ask of a guy to play with as such a, and it's an, it's an unstoppable force, but it's because it's a fluid force. 
He drives from his his feet and his hips and his knees. It's all one fluid drive through and explosion into the man in front of him. There is no stopping him. I mean, when you look at him, he is still so young and it's like his body isn't even there yet. His body hasn't caught up to how good he is at football yet, in my opinion. He has he has the ugliest gut of all these tackles. If you if you look at a picture of him, it's he he looks the worst in his pads than the next two behind him. That it just in my opinion, I think Rashawn Slater and Christian Darisaw, when you look at them, they look like the offensive tackle number one offensive tackle in this group that should be going above him. But he's just he's just flat out better at the at this point right now where he is in his game and his age. There's so 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 much to work with right now. I, I just love it, and I think that I think he's going to be great. I think that he's going to be judged extremely hard. I think you're right about that. It's almost going to be hard for him to live up because if he doesn't turn into freaking, you know, Larry Allen, then you know no one's going to ever believe he was anything. So exactly. I, lo- I love your point there. If he if he doesn't end up All Pro, I mean, which <laughs> All Pro is like the the pinnacle of you're in the league, you're All Pro, you've made it. You know what I mean? Like you you were you were one of the best. You were the best at your position for you know at least one season in the NFL. So but I mean even if you're a Pro Bowl offensive tackle, I mean that's you know, name however long you want to play in the league if you can keep up, you know, the way you're playing. And I mean he's so young. I mean the guy could play till he's thirty five years old. I mean if he if he can stay healthy and all that stuff. So I wouldn't sound about 15 years league, but he could play till he's 32, 33, 34. And I mean, like Andrew Whitworth is like 39 years old and just played another season. I think health and all that could really keep Yeah. I think health and all that could keep a guy like him on the field a long time. And like you said, he just, like you were talking about earlier, he came off this year off and, you know, he's fresh. He's ready to roll. He's not hurt. He's ready to play. I mean, he, in his mind, I'm sure he's adding longevity to his career. So, and he's he's a leverage machine. He gets. I mean, there's there's he ha, he didn't meet a single person in college. He couldn't move. Um, and then so my number two, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you, Christian Darisol. Oh my goodness! Now and I was it, not and, expecting this. And it is because of his past set abilities I, and what you have to it. what you have to deal with in the NFL today. I think today's edge rusher is a. Six foot four, five, 260, 70 pound speed demon that packs the biggest punch in the league. You know what I mean? For their size, they are, they are extremely hard to stop. They are extremely hard to keep your hands on. They're extremely hard to win the battle for the, for the inside hands. And I think, I think the biggest thing for a lot of the young guys coming in is they can't handle how good these dudes are coming off the snap. They can't keep up with him. Mm-hmm. Darisol is like fluid is almost doing him an injustice. Like he's like a he's like a medal winning ice skater out there. I mean, he just as yeah, soon it looks as that so ball, good, doesn't it? it does, as soon as that ball snaps, his whole body is in one is in unison, and his hips open up, 
and he stays in front of the rusher and he's patient. He doesn't bite on the first move. He lets the guy show him where he's going and he follows him. And he's hands first. Uh, I'm almost, I'm not even looking at my notes talking about. It. I'm like my eyes are in the air. You know, I, I just I just really enjoyed his his uh really enjoyed his tape. Um, but and I would say his only downsides are going to be like you said. He's going to have to become aggressive in the run game. And I would say that my biggest thing was his motor long term in the game and i think that if you have a good motor you're normally a good run blocker because run blocking is a motor you know what i mean your whole offensive line runs as one big engine that you that you cannot they all have to work together and then and it's successful ask the titans about it they'll tell you how it's been going i want to say something you know guys so obviously slater now who bo hasn't mentioned yet who i imagine is probably gonna be his third guy Mm -hmm. bo has derisaw over my number one guy just just because of how good derisaw's pass blocking is like i said when i was you know scouting him and in my notes his pass blocking skills are elite i mean Mm -hmm. that that it is enough he's ready to to start and tackle right now oh it's it's unbelievable man and you know when you look at most i I don't look at a ton of mock drafts but when you look at some right now at mock drafts derisaw's normally a lot of times he's going to like the chargers at 13 i believe that's where they sit 13 right which i'd be completely fine with you got a young guy like herbert in there get derisaw yes that's all you need man i mean my god it's not it, it is not running plays where your quarterback gets hurt your quarterback gets hurt when he is what, Jacob? When he is sacked. Hey, well, you ain't got to tell me, man. Joe Burrow's on the way to recovery, man. Well, and we're, Joe we're Burrow help got – didn't he hurt his leg running or did he get hurt in a sack? Uh, no, it was a sack. sack. It was a sack. Uh, sack yeah. I, I can't remember who it was that sacked him. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, towards, towards PCL and his ACL and then messed up some other structure in this, his knee. This is so, the I mean, guy you want if you're trying to protect the, the prize jewels of your franchise. Right, from getting hit yeah. as a quarterback, dropping back to pass 40-plus times a game, which is 35 passes to 50 passes is becoming the norm out of 70 snaps. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you're going to need a guy who can take care of your quarterback. So my number three after that is Rayshon Slater. And don't don't take my number three as this is probably – this might be the hardest three guys <laughs> to pick from – I've ever had to pick from. I mean, dude, that those three, man, your number three guy is still so good. That's what is so they're impressive ready about to this go. tackle class. Yeah, they're all ready to go. My first, my first note on all of theirs is ready to start in the NFL. That's the first thing I wrote. And so, Rayshon Slater, my first impression was his first steps. This dude. When the ball is snap, I mean, th- usually it's like the the D lineman. You know the snap count, but good D linemen are really good reaction at the snap of the ball. But this guy, there's no you're not getting a jump on him. You you're just you're not going to get the first step on him. You're not going to get the first two three steps on him. Personally, he works up to the next level super well. His pad level is insane. He's almost never too high, but he's also not six foot six. Which is which helps him a little bit. He he's right at six four. Like I believe some sites for his for his stuff has had him at like six three and five eighths or some weird stuff like that. But I mean, his height allows him to play down at a better pad level. So that's a good thing. And then um so shoot, lost my notes here. Uh his fundamentals are his fundamentals as a complete blocker, run game and pass game, are better than Sewell and Darisol. But Darisol does one thing better, and it just happens to be what this league is turning into and it's a passing league where it's just you're throwing it more downs than you're passing now and that's just the fact 
I believe that I believe that his floor is extremely high. I believe his floor is probably higher than Christian Derisaw because I mean honestly, I think his his first steps and his movement is so good and so fluid that he could kick inside, that he could kick into guard mm-hmm. if you need him to. You know, I, I believe that he's capable of that. He's got violent hands. He normally wins the battle on the inside, and he's got good recovery. If he, I saw him overrun a few plays, but even even if he did that, he could at least turn and get at least get a hand on somebody or find another guy to try and help the play keep going. And that's a problem with Darisaw. I saw a lot of plays where Darisaw was just standing around. Darius, guys like Darisaw and 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 Penny Sewell almost make it look too easy at what they're good at. Yeah, you know, Rayshon Slater playing at Northwestern had to show up on tape every film, and I believe he plays that way. I think he's probably got the best motor of the top three too. Okay, I so, agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. I think yeah. Slater, he just, um, he just goes, man. I mean, it's it, he comes out there, he gives it hundred percent. It's four quarters every play, no matter what you're asking him to do, big or small. Even if it's like you know, hip to hip double teams or something like that. He's still sitting there and giving the dude next to him the best he's got. I mean, he, he really is. Um, and my number four, Tevin Jenkins, it, it was, it was e- almost equally as fun to watch him play tackle as it was to watch Tommy Trimble block at tight end. I mean, it's just, it's pure violence. He's got the meanest streak of all these guys. I wouldn't. I mean, of course, his motor is extremely high, and he loves run blocking. But mean streak, like Rayshon Slater, looks like a happy, smiling, cheerful kind of guy. This dude looks like he's coming for your lunch money when he puts a helmet on. Yeah. Even though his his roster picture, he's got these glasses on and this cheesy smile. But that's he's what got I'm a saying, man. I, I saw him. I like the little baby that, face. And I was like, this is the same guy in that uniform right now that's absolutely mauling people. Like yeah. it just it, it didn't come off to me like that. When he when he puts that helmet on and takes the glasses off, and he has these he has these big big eyes, and it's like he when like it's like he is just eyeballing his dinner. The <laughs> yeah. dude in front of him is a is a prime rib, and he is coming for it. And he had eaten in three days. That's how he plays football. That's hilarious. His, his hip and his leg drive is all together. Great, great roll. It's like a death roll. Once he's got his hands on you and he drives his hips through, you're going to the ground. I mean, they invented one-man sleds just to watch this guy practice. I mean, that's just what he is. Um, and and I, think he, I think he also has kick inside guard potential. But it's because of his arm length and his ability in such small spaces to push guys around. I mean, I think that if, th- if this dude's ever going to be a guard, it's going to be early in his career when he's on a team that's got some injury problems or something. I think the older he gets, he'll likely end up on the outside. But just like Slater, I, I think that if they if they fail at the outside, you can bring them in. If they have to play in and they just happen to be good at it, don't you you don't have to be afraid to move them back outside. You know, they just work so well in short spaces and they're such violent players with high motors. You know, and that's that's what you need at guard dealing with these big guys all game pulling, trapping, you know, laying out big hits and all that stuff. So I think his the thing that's going to hinder Jenkins is his his flexibility and his athleticism at the next level. Um, if he's at tackle and you're getting a guy like Chase Young every play, especially, with, you know, a few plays, you're not going to have help with him. And Chase Young, I'm afraid this guy's not going to be able to get his hips open and, and, and catch up to him. And then he might bite on that first move. You don't know how that's going to go. I yeah. mean, his his conference, Big 12, was not the defensive conference. These games are like 50 to 60 every game. 
you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, you know, and some of the best guys he's going to see in that conference, it's like a guy like Ronnie Ronnie Perkins out of like Oklahoma, right? And sure. that's Kenneth Murray when he was there, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, and 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 he mauls them. They're just size wise, they're not there. You know, size and strength wise, he's not there. But if anything, I mean, shoot, he's just an intimidating presence with those big beady eyes on the field. <laughs> uh, my number five, though, Liam Eichenberg. Uh, I love Notre Dame offensive linemen. I believe that they come out very well coached. Uh, I believe they all have the size intangibles that you want. I believe that they're all coached in pro-style offenses. Uh, most of them get outside and pull tackles, guards, centers, and all. Uh, they teach them violent hands. They they teach them how to drive defenders. They usually always have good feet and and have short, choppy feet. Their technique is just on point. Um, I believe that he's a better run blocker than he is pass blocker, but there are some teams in the league right now that are desperate to get their run game going and teams that are desperate to keep depth on their offensive line so that their successful run game doesn't falter. Uh, like I was talking about, you know, Tennessee and San Francisco and New England teams that are still throwback running the football. Shoot, even Pittsburgh needs to get guys running the football again. What do they barely average 80 yards a game? I mean, yeah. their yards per carry is terrible. I mean, everybody needs someone who can move bodies off the ball. Even if you just brought this guy in for jumbo sets and you just line him up as an extra tackle, I mean, I, I think he'd be money in situations like that. And and he's big enough and coachable enough coming out of Notre Dame to get better at the pass game. Um, I just it, it's hard to look away from Notre Dame offensive linemen. It's like Iowa and Wisconsin offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just they they're, they're a factory for talent coming out of those schools. And um, I also think he's got some great hands at the at, you know coming off the snap. Um, and I would say that. His, big, his biggest thing when he's in space, his problem with him pulling and stuff like that, is that he likes to throw his body when he, like, make the big hit sometimes. And I think elite NFL tacklers are going to shed if he doesn't lead with his hands. I like his punch when he uses it. But sometimes you see him want to just take a guy out. And I think you see some of you see some of our some of our guard guys doing the same thing. And I think at the next level in the NFL, you got to engage with your hands first. You know, this time last year when we talked about the draft, I wasn't working nearly as much, and I had way more notes. But yeah, I still really enjoyed it. And I've, you know, I think the COVID year, we saw less games too, so there was less stuff to watch. I mean, we didn't exactly get to see them flex on small schools this year. You know, no, no, you didn't. Um, and then I guess what you got, Cosme is your honorable mention. Yeah, Sam Cosby. All the reasons you did. I think he's got some of the best hands in this draft. I don't think he's far off from Eichenberg. Um, I just think. Eichenberg probably saw a better mix of athletes playing for Notre Dame. I mean, playing in college football playoff games and stuff like that. Playing with, playing against his own teammates in practice every day. You just talk pedigree, programs, coaching, uh, talent they saw, games they played in. I mean, I'm just going to have to give it to Eichenberg right now. Um, and I mean, there's probably a third guy between Cosme and Eichenberg that we could throw and, you know, mix around in there. But, um, I mean, I almost thought about doing Dylan uh, Reynes. Uh, Re- Re- How do you pronounce his last Ray name? Duns. From Reynes. The way I've been saying it, which I've been yeah. butchering names left and right, yeah. so it doesn't really matter yeah, how I say it. Yeah. So I mean, I thought about throwing him in there too, but you know, I just like I said, it's kind of like Iowa and Wisconsin guys, man. They're just there's some schools where it's hard to look away from their offensive line talent. 
Yeah, I mean, I can, I can. When it comes to names, man, I, I can. If you describe to me who, who it is that you're talking about, I can tell you I've watched the guy. But if you want me to pronounce the name, no, I can tell you anything you want to know about it from a film yeah. standpoint. But if you want me to pronounce the name, I can't do it. Uh, but I'm gonna let you go ahead first this time with the interior offensive lineman. I want to hear your top five first, man, since I went first the last two times. All right, I'll lead it off. Uh, my first one, uh, I'll just go go right into it. Um, at first, it was Wyatt Davis. I will say that. At first, it was. Let's go. I love some Wyatt Davis. Um, but I, I'm going to roll with an old with a, with a guy who played tackle in college and was really, really good at it, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. And I, and I think one of the reasons that I also want to put him at number one is versatility. I think with his tape at tackle in college – if you're in a pinch, well, why would you be scared of throwing him out there? You know, this oh, guy's yeah. basically a first is a first round guard or tackle. You know, I mean, you just move him as a plug and play type guy. He plays with aggression. He's a great pass protector. Uh, he he's a as a phenomenal anchor for the bull rush. Even though that's going to be tested at the next level big time, because I think there's going to be a massive jump from a Pac-12 bull rush to the NFL bull rush. It's just a completely other ball game. I think you'd agree with that. I mean, go 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 throw him on Geno Atkins. We'll see how that goes, but uh, still love it. He in his film in college is all you can work off of, and he and he displayed a great anchor. Uh, he works well off the rest of his O line. He he passes off work really well. He double teams really well. He looks for work. You see his head. I always talk about it looks like they're breaking their neck. They got that head on a swivel. Um, I, you see him overrun guys at times in space, but he gets right back. He recovers. He stays in the play. Uh, I like his motor. He's another guy where it just seems like the, it seems like college was too easy for him. It, he's just ready to play in the pros. Um, I'd say the only thing I like I would like for him to work on is his flexibility and bringing his pad level down if he's going to play the inside of the line. Like I said, those shorter, shorter defensive linemen that are thicker like to play lower. You know, the K1 shorts, the DJ readers, the Javon Hargraves, I mean, they're hard to dig out. You know, Cam Hayward, you've got to get down to their pad level and roll your hips and bring them up out of their stance in the way they want to play. Make them uncomfortable, get them off balance. I think that once he gets his flexibility right, learns to play at that level, I think guard's going to be a no problem transition for him. And like you said, you can shift him out. Uh, my number two is Wyatt Davis. Um, as long, this is all based on if he comes back from his leg injury in that championship game, you know, fine and all that. But I'd say he's like the next the next closest thing you get to a guy like Quentin Nelson. I don't think that he has the violent streak, the mean streak that yeah. Quentin Nelson has. He doesn't finish like Quentin Nelson. But when you talk about leverage, you talk about hand placement, you talk about when you look at him and he gets up under a guy, his hips are basically touching the guy in front of him. He has got him rolled through it. I talk about hips a lot because I, I mean, I truly believe that if you're not if your hips are in line with the rest of your body and the way you're moving and you don't follow through and roll them, you're not moving anyone here any, anyway, especially not as a pulling guard in the NFL. Well, I, I mean, your hips are a vital part of your lower half, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that a, a good lower half is what you need to be a good offensive lineman. It's almost, it's almost as important to linemen as it is to corners. You yeah, know what I mean? I wouldn't it, disagree with that. It, I mean, it, it really is. I think if you got stiff – there, I, there's hasn't been a great guard, or probably tackle for that matter, with stiff hips that that was great. I mean, they're 
they're loose players. They get up and down. They can play at whatever pad level you need to play at. They dig them out. Um, but as like I said, injury is going to be his big thing. His feet never get mixed up. He's an insane athlete. Though that the speed that he moves down the line is 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 impressive. It, it really is. I think he's the best athlete on this interior group, um, hands down. I I just hope he can come back and be that guy. I don't think he had any any pressures in you know in 2019, and I don't think he had very many, if any, last season. Um, even though they only played six games, but the guy defines the word leverage. So I love his game. My number three is. This might be too high for him, but I really like his game, Landon Dickerson. Ooh, I love Landon Dickerson. This might, yeah, this might be too high for him, especially with he's probably struggled with injuries more than anyone in all three of these position lists we're doing. Um, But when he is on the field, he is a bona fide baller. Okay, this this dude. I believe he's played every position on the offensive line, tackle, guard, and center throughout his football career. Um, And he started at guard, I believe, and then moved into center. And he didn't just move to center. He had never played it in his life and switched to it at Alla-frickin-Bama and just just took off freaking – I'm about to cuss on this podcast. He just took off running (laughs) with it. Okay, you don't see he's every bit. It says that you put him out there as six five, but he don't look six five. Looks six six. Okay, he's every bit of six six, three hundred and thirty pounds. Six five change for sure. And he gets low though. He's got great hip flexion. He's got great hands. He is an absolute mover of men. Get out of the way. The train is coming through. Okay, he's got. He's got luggish feet, but that's not a big deal if he stays at center. If they're going to kick him over to guard, yeah, okay. His feet are going to be a little bit of a problem from time to time, and that's just keeping up with some of the guys in front of him and doing the things out in space that they need him to do. But if you keep him at center, that's not a big deal. He takes small choppy steps. He keeps his cleats in the ground. He's always square to his man, love his hands. So he follows through. He's a finisher. I, th- I think when you're blocking in the interior, you've got to be a finisher. There's no make contact and break away. Hold on to your man, and he does that. And I think if he stays healthy, he's a slam dunk pick at center. I, for one, would love to have Pittsburgh take him to replace Marquise Pouncey. Think it'd be a great place for him to oh, land. Eat that up, man. I could see him in Pittsburgh as well. I mean, I mean, I'm okay to take that risk with injuries. I mean, I'm okay with it. Like he is, he's good enough. I mean, okay. So Creed Murphy is next for me. Creed Humphrey, excuse me. Creed Humphrey is next for me from Oklahoma, and and I would even with the injuries, I'd rather than take him than Creed Murphy. But oh, Creed Murphy. Why do I keep saying Murphy? Why do <laughs> I don't I keep know, man. That? When you first said, I was like, "Who is this guy?" Talking? Yeah, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. So my my next one is Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, and I think he's a cerebral player. He's got this wrestling background that makes him ultra violent. Um, his hands are always out in front of him, leading the way. He doesn't quit. He's up for the fight when you want to have it. Um, he understands leverage probably better than any of these guys do to his, his wrestling background. He's always got control of the man in front of him until he runs into a guy like everyone talks about the Bravion Roy game. Yeah, he got he got beat up on, but I think what makes great linemen is getting beat up on and then going back to the film room and making yourself better because of that. 
He keeps his feet under him, a short, choppy steps. He's never tangled up. He's got a nice wide base. He's got a good knee bend. Um, he's tough as nails, which I've pretty much already said he's up for the fight. Um, I would say that I'd worry about physically dominating because I believe he only plays it like right at 300 pounds, like 295. So he's a smaller center. He's kind of got the he's got the Jeff Saturday thing going. This has been my comp, like the Jeff Saturday thing going for him looks undersized, but plays a big game and, uh, really, really enjoyed his tape. I've from everything I've read, he's a big time locker room guy. I mean, it's, he, he stonewalls defenders. He didn't play against elite elite, you know, pass rushers over top of him every game, but he dealt with what he had to, when he had to, and there's only a handful of times you can say that he really got exposed to his position. He's th- that offense went as he went. That's for sure. Uh, and my next guy is going to be uh, Trey Smith. I'm actually so I was surprised when I read his like his his frame and saw his pictures and all that that I that I put him down this low. But um, the the clotting in his lungs things is kind of sketchy because it yeah, takes it's a very a, scary situation. Yeah, it takes a serious it takes a serious motor to play 70 80 snaps in an NFL game and it's going to take a lot out of his body. So, I mean, I hope he can stay healthy, but man is he strong. He's pretty, I think he might be the most experienced guard or interior player out of all these guys. He's got 40 starts at Tennessee and you can see it when he plays, man. He's never overwhelmed by what's in front of him. He always knows where he's going. He's great with the guy next to him. He passes off well. He handles stunts well. You saw, like, when you're in the SEC, defenses stunt better than any conference in the country. It's the best defense yeah, played. Do, for sure. It's, it's, it's the best defense played in college football, hands down. I think we all know that. But you're seeing more complex looks. And I'll say I'll hype up your Georgia boys, dude. Kirby Smart runs some crazy defensive schemes. And you don't see him get overwhelmed. You see the guys in the line with him get overwhelmed, but you don't see that to him. Uh, he's got a great anchor. His frame is great. He plays pretty low. I would I would like to see him be consistently low, and it, that will make him you know a franchise player. He's always looking for work. His head it's like he's like it's like he took an Adderall. Sometimes his head is just so it's like he's twitching around. He doesn't know which way he wants to look. He if if that guy had an extra set of eyes, he'd be set because that's the way <laughs> that's the way he looks, you know. And he's built like a he's built like a refrigerator too, man. I mean, I'm serious. You could stock the whole house inside that guy. He is huge. I just hope that that his lung thing works out. He stays healthy, and I and I and I think that he can be a big time contributor for a team that needs a super strong guard that can handle passing and running situations, and and, and is smart enough to intake whatever kind of offense you need to teach him to. And um, my uh, my guard honorable mention. I believe that's all my guys. Yeah, uh, my guard honorable mention is Deontay Brown from Alabama, and uh, and I picked him. Because of the way he looks, not just the way he looks, the way he plays, he's a, he's a phenomenal run blocker. It's I definitely did not. He is, man. I did not take him for his pass blocking because his pass blocking needs a lot of work, especially if he ends up on a guy that can that can move. Because he's not a he's not a great mover when it comes to going backwards. The dude wants to go forwards. He wants to use his body and his leverage and go forwards. Um, but. Dude, there there's teams out there that that need that, you know, and there there's teams out there that need they need that push. I think he's going to get his chance. He is an absolute wrecking ball in the middle, and uh, I I enjoyed his senior bowl tape too. I think that 
I think that he's been kind of underrated. Just like if you're gonna if you were to create like a, a create a player on Madden and make a guard, you'd build him to look like this dude. Just a straight bowling ball wrecking crew. Like that's what you'd want him to be. You just turn his speed and his athleticism up. That's all. Like he's <laughs> he looks like he looks like he's ready to play guard in the NFL. Like he really does. But but his athleticism and his feet aren't always under him. And uh, there's going to be some guys in the NFL that are really going to test him in that matter. So if you can find a team that's going to run the ball, he'd fit great on the Titans, man. I'll tell you what. Or the Orleans, shoot, not really the Niners. The, the, they would ask him to get out in space too much. But, you know, anything that's in front of that guy's face, he's mauling. No question. I, I, I like the Brown pick, man. I do yeah. like that. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go with it. Number one, man, Elijah Vera Tucker, just like you, Bo. Got to uh, give it to him. I mean, you can't not give it to him. Um, I'm going to say he was a tricky scout. He really was. Um, unlike it's the other guys. It's hard to look at a tackle and imagine a guard. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I do think he's going to be better at guard, though. Um, unlike the other guys on this list, you know, that have versatility on the interior of the line, Tucker can play either guard or tackle. You know, a lot of the guys on this list are, you know, they have versatility between guard and center and things like that. He's doing guard and tackle, which I think raises the value, right? Which is one reason I have him over the other guys. Um, Now, guys, Tucker did play left tackle at USC last season, so he sees some good edge rushers. I mean, there are some good, talented defenders in the Pac-12. I do have him moving to guard probably at the next level. Uh, He could stay at tackle, which I don't think is going to hurt him too terribly much. I just like him more at guard. Um, His hand fighting is awesome, shows a lethal punch in his arsenal. Footwork and technique are both very sound. He keeps a good base. Movement and space is natural. And he has extremely light feet, which which you love to see. Um, His power is good. Lateral agility is awesome. Um, Good ability to mirror. When you put him in the mix with the other guards, let me say this. He immediately becomes one of the most athletic and agile guys in the group. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's just a really good mover. I just think, you know, you touched on the flexibility. Yeah, okay, I would agree with you some. Maybe we can work on the flexibility a little bit. I mean, he's just so tall. Yeah, exactly. But I think in a terms of movement, I mean, he moves in space effortlessly. I mean, he moves really well in space. Um, I think he has a lot higher ceiling as an interior guy rather than a tackle at the next level. And on top of that, man, I mean, he's got experience at tackle. That That's what I don't think people are understanding. If an injury put a team in a pinch, Tucker is becomes so much more valuable. You know what I mean? You would, you love having a guy that can play tackle or guard. That's huge. Yeah. So, you know, I may have him. I think he'll one. play both his rookie year. He I will. Bet he will. He definitely will. He's going to see looks at both, 100%. Yeah. Um, I may have him at one more based off what I think he can become than what he is, um, if that makes sense. Um, I'm, But I'm that confident in this game. Bo. Same I reason I have Sewell as one in my tackles. And I saw what a lot of people are saying that he goes to the Raiders at 17th overall. Now, Mm -hmm. that's much higher than I would feel comfortable taking him. Um, I'm looking for Tucker to get drafted somewhere around early second round. Um, That's where I'd probably feel a little bit better. I think that's really awesome value also. But um, I'm not spending a first-round pick on Tucker. 
or or any of the guards, really, for that matter, even though I wow. am impressed with the first two guys on this list. So I wanted to put that out there. Um, and then speaking of the first two guys, number two for me, guys, is Landon Dickerson out of Alabama. Um, the first thing a team is going to get with him is position versatility. Um, Dickerson, like you said, Bo, has played every position on the offensive line at Alabama yep. at some point or, an- or another. And like, and I didn't even know the story about center, Bo, which was super cool that he didn't even make that switch till he got to Alabama. That's unbelievable. He man. never, I mean, he had never played it. I mean, he, he had never been in the middle of the field or hiked the hiked the ball. I mean, that's I unbelievable. Think, I don't think he overshot the quarterback one time all that that since he started playing center. I mean, he doesn't have bad snaps. They're always on point. Like and he 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 know like it is weird when you play one position offensive line and then you move and have a different field of view. Like it's not like receivers where one minute you're over here, then you're over here, then you're back inside, then you're on the right, then you're on the left. It takes it takes knowledge of gaps and your assignments and things like that. I mean, it's a lot to take in, man. And and also, it's not as easy as people think it is going from not hiking the ball to hiking the ball and then having to get set. Getting that extra arm up is difficult. And he does it really fast and with a lot of power. He really does, man. Um, he had a large number of snaps at center, um, which is going to make him really valuable at you know to a team that's lacking capable guys on the interior. Okay, if 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 they're lacking mo- multiple guys, their interior line is say let's let's use the Bengals for example. Mm-hmm. Interior of our line isn't great, right? We would love to have a guy that we can move around like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. that that makes him super valuable. Um, looking at him on film, I mean, the guy isn't his frame. I mean, I really can't go into it more than you did, Bo. I mean, his legs look like absolute tree trunks. I mean, he, he is massive. Oak tree trunks. I mean, dude. it's massive legs, man. Yeah. Um, very strong lower half with light feet. That's what I'm impressed with. The legs are huge. Very strong lower half, but the feet are he, light. He's as move. tall as any tackle in this draft, too. He is. Yeah, which is it's, it's just Ad incredible normal. we're talking about a center man I mean, he's a Ad freak normal. he's a freak at center yeah. um he moves laterally really well no problem mirroring uh defensive lineman great run blocker does a great job pulling and moving with his guys clearing the way for his running back um very violent hands in pass blocking strong at the point of attack um, he just kind of has a nastiness about it, man, that, that makes him a lot of fun to watch. Yep. Um, I do think the only thing that could hold him back would be his injury issues, Bo, and you've already talked on it. You know, yeah. Dickerson tore his ACL in the SEC championship game, you know, when Alabama played Florida. Now, all reports say his recovery is on schedule and he will be ready for training camp, but still, I mean, that's ACL fine. ACL tears aren't what they used to be. They're not. They're not, but it's still something that could make him fall. And, you know, I think it could make him fall out of the first round. You know, and I, I don't. I think there's a chance he could be taken in the first round. Now, I've already said I wouldn't take, you know, any of these guards in the first round. Uh, I thought there was maybe a shot if healthy he could be taken in the first round. Also, same for Tucker, and I think Tucker probably is going to be taken in the first round. Um, I think Dickerson could have snuck in too. Um, but like I said, I expect most of these guys in my top five to be taken in the second to third round. Um, Dickerson is probably. Probably more of a late second round guy, if I had to say. It just depends on if a team is worried about the injury or not. That's what it's all going to come down to. Um, so hopefully he recovers well. He was seen doing cartwheel cartwheels at Mac Jones Pro Day. So, you know, he's got to be doing all right. Yeah, he'll be fine. Um, number three for me, guys, is Wyatt Davis. But we talked about Wyatt Davis a lot before on this show because when he opted out, for the season at Ohio State. Um, I think it's come back to haunt him a little bit. Uh, Davis was thought to be the number one interior offensive lineman in this co- in the country heading into the season this year. But when he decided to sit out, Bo, 
it allowed prospects to catch up and even pass him in some of the scouts' eyes, which I think, you know, it's fine. He, I don't think he's lost skill or anything like that. I think he's still a phenomenal prospect. But getting to see guys play this year versus not getting to see him play this year has, has hurt him for sure. Um, Davis is still super talented, though, so he's not going to be falling out of anyone's top fives. Um, he does a lot of things well, good power in both pass and run blocking situations. He gets set extremely fast, moves well in open space, anchors down really well, keeps a wide base. Um, he's just going to be an awesome guy, man. When you when you pick him up in the draft, he's a guy that comes in and makes an immediate impact. Um, either he's starting or, I mean, you, you got to have a pretty damn good offensive line for him not to be starting. Let me put it to you that way. I mean, he, he's an unbelievable rotational guy or backup piece if, if you don't have him starting at the next level. Yeah. Number four for me is Creed Humphrey. You know, smart, high IQ football player. Another guy that was going to bring versatility, man. All these guys do kind of. Um, Humphrey played center. In college at Oklahoma, moving between left guard, center, and right guard isn't going to be an issue, so that's really good. Another guy that plays with awesome technique. Um, he's smaller, though. He's smaller than most of the guys on this list, so you know he's not out there throwing guys around with his power or anything like that, but it obviously shows he knows how to use leverage and knows how to use angles, which you know shows, again, goes to his high IQ. And, you know, he also he knows where to be and he knows where his quarterback is each play. And that experience and those smarts are what NFL teams are going to be happy about. But I don't know if you saw this. Humphrey put on an absolute show at his pro day. I'm going to say in the 40, he ran a 509, which would have been 12th out of all the linemen who ran last year at the combine. OK, mm. had a 33 inch vertical, had a nine nine foot three inch broad jump, put up. 29 reps on the bench press, had a 7.543 cone, and had a 4.465105 shuttle. Whew. He put up absolutely. He can move. He, he can move, man. I mean, those are really, really good numbers. Extremely good numbers for a center, man. Um, his numbers in all, though, would have ranked fifth out of all linemen at last year's combine. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy that can move, man. I mean, he's got some talent. Yeah, he's a smaller guy, but his IQ yeah, I mean, and can I, he, his athleticism. Can he handle that rush? Exactly. I mean, his IQ and that athleticism, man, I mean, that that's a lot. So, I mean, I, I'm very impressed with him. He raised his draft stock a ton, um, so we'll see how high it pushed him up teams' boards. Um, and number five for Mebo is Aaron Banks from Notre Dame. Uh, Banks was fun to watch. Um, I think I also just enjoy watching, I've already said this once, offensive linemen that come from Notre Dame because they are usually well coached and succeed at the next level. Um, and also Notre Dame has a, has a good track record when it comes to success at the next level. Um, Zach Martin, Bo, we know who that is. All yeah. pro Quentin Nelson, all pro Ronnie Stanley. We've already mentioned once he's an all pro. And then on top of that, you got like Mike McGlinchey and you've got Nick Martin, right. who currently plays for the Raiders. These are some good guys, man. You know, the, the guys at Notre Dame just know how to coach up their guys and get them to the next level and help them to succeed. And I think Aaron Banks is another guy that could follow those same footsteps. Um, now, I don't see Banks having the ceiling quite like the all-pro guys I just mentioned, but I do think he has a shot at becoming a solid starter in the NFL for a quality team. Um, he's a massive human being that plays mean. He's he's much more useful when he's able to use all of his power. Not a guy that moves in space incredibly well, um, which could hinder his value in the NFL a little bit, but he shows an awesome ability to counter power. But if a speedier defender is able to beat him a little bit it's it's hard for it's hard for him to readjust right which in the nfl could really cause some problems because once a defender learns about you in the nfl he's going to figure out what your weaknesses are and he's going to eat on top of it 
right? Yeah. He's going to be all over top of you. Um, so NFL defenders will take advantage of that. He needs to work on that. Uh, he has big, strong hands that are that are hard to disengage from, and he has an awesome punch as well. Um, just a couple of things he needs to work on, but I am impressed with this game. And I want to say, before I say my honorable mention, I love that you said Trey Smith, man. Trey Smith, last year and last year's draft, Trey Smith could have gone, you know, reasonably high. Interested to see where he's going to go this year. But I've always been a big Trey Smith fan, man, and you couldn't have described him any better. So I'm I'm super glad that you mentioned him. Now for mine, my honorable mention, and this isn't biased, guys. I know I love Georgia and I talk about Georgia a lot, but Ben Cleveland from Georgia is an absolute massive human being. I mean, an absolute <laughs> massive human being. I, I I don't really know, but he's so big that Bo and myself have been sending pictures back and forth to each other, showing how big this guy is. Let's get real. Jacob sent me pictures of Ben Cleveland. I okay, did right, not right. send you any pictures of Ben Cleveland. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Why you gotta, you why you gotta throw me out there me like that? Pictures of him. Okay, all right. Okay, and did they disappoint, though? Did they disappoint? No, oh, he's massive. He's absolutely huge, man. It, I it's, think he's built like one of those double-door refrigerators, you know, that open up both ways. <laughs> <laughs> not not just like your everyday. Oh, you got a nice fridge with one door. That dude's built like one of those double door fridges, like extra wide, dude. He, he wide, a, modular he home a, type shit. A massive guy. And both one of the first things that you point out is the way he's he's got a thick upper body, right? Thick upper body, uh, but a and, and a smaller lower body, uh, which is a lot of times what people look for in offensive linemen. Um, I mean, he he is broad, man. I mean, the big broad shoulders, broad chested. Um, he's got he's got an amazing frame, um, and I'm gonna say this too: Georgia guys are always well coached, which is something I like to take in what program they're coming from when I think about you know what what they could do at the next level. Um, he starred in a ton of games for an extremely talented Georgia offensive line. Georgia always has good talent on the offensive line, and he started a lot for us. Um, and I also got to watch this guy play a ton just because I watched every Georgia game, so I, I know how good of a player he is. So, um, so I had to throw him in there as my honorable mention, man. Well, I, I like that honorable mention a lot. I mean, he, if I mean, if you look at that guy, you're just like this, this, like, I mean, he looks like he's a bodybuilder type or world's strongest man type. I mean, he's just not built like your everyday average guy. I think, I think with Ben Cleveland, it's going to be can he move in the NFL level? Can he keep up with yeah. defenders? I think it's going to be extremely hard for him to get his hands on on the quintessential linebacker that's coming out now. Like, I mean, good, like Devin White, I mean, it, it would be like in Tampa Bay, he's like what you want now when you get, when you draft it, or Mike, Micah Parsons. Like, I just don't see how he gets his hands on the, I mean, if God, if he does get his hands on him, just say goodbye to Micah Parsons now, he's dead. But can he even get to him? Can he move with those guys? Can he recover? You know, is he gonna is he gonna be so is he gonna be so fixated on on catching up and, and just getting in front of that guy that he's gonna forget his technique, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, I agree with you. Man. It it's, it's something to look out for. Um, guys, next week we're gonna be doing our interior defensive linemen, edge rushers, and linebackers. And again, the week after that, we'll be doing the cornerbacks and the safeties and then touching on some draft stuff that we're hearing and what we think about it. The day of the draft, which will be Thursday, April 29th, we're going to be doing a mock draft. So the day of the draft, you'll get to hear a first round mock draft from Bo and myself. 
and you'll get to hear what we think is going to happen. It's going to be more so what we think is going to happen. We'll kind of sprinkle in what we think should happen and things like that. But um, but it's going to be more so what we think is going to happen in the first round. And again, I'll probably be with Bo on draft night. It's going to be a great time, man. Draft season is my favorite. Um, but guys, as always, go subscribe, go give a review, and go TSR. Peace out, everybody. Peace. Listening to the TSR podcast with Jacob and Bowe.